I've never seen Harry Potter. You've never seen Harry Potter? No. No. Wow. Of course they haven't. Oh. It. It's popular, and they don't like popular <laughs> That's things. That's true, yeah. It's not Even that. I, I feel like Harry punk. Potter. In fairness, when did the first Harry Potter movie come out? Like 2002? Yeah. So we're like we're like 16. That. Like I don't. I feel like it did not appeal to me as a 16 year old. Yeah, we yeah. were like over that age of like what was. We were telling everyone to suck it, and then it was like, oh, I'm a wizard. Like, <laughs> yes, I can't do this. I'm sorry. Exorbius <laughs> Penuftus. Like, you know, like I don't like that's not. We're already beyond that at that point. Exorbius Penuftus. 37, and you collect toys still. So don't even <laughs> act like you're too cool for Harry Potter. And if you want to go to S1 E1 Pod on our Instagram, I'll show you Ferg's haunted mansion collection. Yeah. I can show you right behind me. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to S1E1, the show where each week we pick a different sitcom, watch just the first televised episode, and forgetting anything we might know about the future run of that show, rate it and decide if it's a show we want to greenlight or cancel. This week we're going to be talking about Full House. Full House went 192 episodes over eight seasons on ABC. Today we're talking about episode one, which is called Our Very First Show, originally airing September 22nd, 1987. So to get things started, I'm Jay Gags. With me, as always, the boys, Nick, Joe, Gordo, and Ferg. What's going on, guys? Hey, Hello. Your baby's a pig. <laughs> also, guys, I would like to rename this episode to Razzle Dazzle 23. I think if we're going to keep with a theme consistent to the Full House episode here. Wait, did nobody oh. pay attention? Jesse oh, yes, comes in and yes, says that yes, she was at Razzle Dazzle yes. 87 and that it was better than Razzle Dazzle 86. So my assumption would be Razzle. Okay, maybe only I watched the episode. I guess <laughs> this episode's over. Bye, guys. See you later. Anyways, uh, so Full House, uh, huge show. Kind of crazy. We've gone this long. We didn't do it yet. But we have a few big shows kind of lingering on in our back pockets when we need to pull out the big guns. Uh, I can't help but assume all of you have watched Full House at some point <laughs> or another. You never know where Gordo. No, I've seen this show. This was one of my one of my favorites growing up. As a cable boy, this is one of my absolute maybe top five sitcoms of all time. I absolutely fucking love this show. That's not to say that the pilot doesn't have things we can talk about or whatever, but as a whole, this is like one of the greatest sitcoms of all time, right? Yeah, so I was looking through it. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes only has an audience score, I assume because it's just so old. There was no like critic reviews for it at the time, but 80% from the audience. IMDb 6.8 for the series as a whole, which kind of surprised me. What I find interesting as somebody who's seen this show over and over again is that the earlier seasons get worse reviews. I personally think like the first three or four seasons, like 87 into early 90s, are like the prime era of this show. By the end, I think it gets a bit much. By the time the end happens, they're suffering from the like, we're all going to Disney. We're all doing like all the things that happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Suffering for going to Disney. (laughs) Well, that's what shows did, though. Step by step, did the yeah. same thing, right? Where like you start jumping the shark a little bit because you. Have Those to start were my weird favorite things. episodes when Roseanne went to Disney. Ugh, made my day. Well, yeah, you know what I think is funny when I look at a show like Full House, and you know we grew up with this show, but when we talk about it, like you know, originally came out in 1987. I'm one when this show yeah. came out, and you don't realize in the moment that, that you're watching a lot of this in syndication. Like you think it was just kind of live. For, yeah, but you yeah, really yeah. didn't yeah, watch was, a lot of it live. I had the same thought. Yeah, 
this is like a syndication powerhouse. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, still to this day. But like the Olsen twins, right? We know them as babies when we were kids. We're thinking when we're six, seven years old that they're little babies. I'm legitimately two weeks older than the Olsen twins. Yeah, but did you kill Heath Ledger? I don't think so. So they get a win on you. Only one did. Yeah, that was the thought I had when I was watching it. Because I was like, I thought for some reason, I thought this was like early 90s, like 91, 92. And then I noticed that uh, Michelle was like a baby, obviously. And I'm, I'm pretty sure they're like five or six days older. Six, than six me. days older than you. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I was like, oh, this must be like late 80s then. Yeah, it's but crazy. It's just, Again, it's just we just I don't know. Syndic- for a show like that to have such heavy syndication while it's still running. So reruns are constantly airing while new episodes are still coming out. This is one of those shows like Seinfeld that I remember watching live and new, like on TGIF when it was new, but watching the last episode, like it was a really big deal. Like the last two part episode of Full House Live was a really big deal for like our generation. Yeah. I'll never forget too. This is the first show I ever remember seeing a crossover. And I know there was millions before that, but the episode Urkel just shows up randomly and I was like, oh my God. Like yeah, well, they did a lot of that. Yeah, so I know it, we've all seen it, obviously. But when's the last time you guys have like seen it before watching it for the podcast? That's full oh, count. <laughs> no, years yeah. ago, a couple years ago. Because I wonder how well it aged. Because I'm having an issue now with. Uh, I wanted to go back and just like bedtime watch Boy Meets World, and we can't get through an episode. Like it's so cringy bad. Oh, I like, can. I, I thought Boy Meets World holds up. Pretty I, I, I don't still know if like it was Boy just Meets World. the season we picked, but um, it's just like unbearable. Like Corey's just such a little bitch. <laughs> it's just like really <laughs> tough to watch. Well, here's the difference. I think no, though, Nick, though, is and why this one I think holds up better is this is a TV show about people from the age of zero to the age of forty. So you have a lot to. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, if you think the kid stuff doesn't really work, you can, like, as you age into it, right? Like, when you're in high school, the high school stuff makes sense. When you're in your 30s, the 30s yeah. stuff makes sense. Whereas, well, like, you don't get a lot of parent stuff, like, storyline wise, or Mr. Feeney stuff storyline wise. That's a good in point. Because on this show here, there's storylines for every character. There are whole episodes dedicated to Joey and Uncle Jesse and yeah. things that the plot point is they're the A story. And even the grandparents. Yeah, A Boy Meets World, it's it's Corey. It's Corey's show and then all the people surrounding him. Not that they don't have their own storylines, but he's always going to be the number one. Yeah, I was going to say that the uh, with this show, if you didn't like like the little kid stuff, they could always pivot to the adult so they could pivot to something else to keep you interested. Both of these shows do that thing, though, where they have to shoehorn like the serious moment in. Yeah, but it kind of became their thing. That was their, like, yeah, they created pioneered it. Yeah, they really pioneered this. The the music cue. Yeah. The music cue scene in every episode where Danny sort of gets down on one knee and talks to them. That's like a full house thing. And it became, like, almost parody towards the later seasons. And and I know we really can't get, when we get to the episode itself, we'll kind of focus on that. But as we talk about the show. They started joking about it in episodes, you know, like later on, because it became such their thing that they did. It is weird, though, to come into a show and be like, hey, everybody, we're ready to laugh. My wife just died. Waka, waka, waka. Here we go. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, man. 
Because it's not that far off. They say right at the beginning, like, she passed away three months ago. Yeah. Like, you yeah. were at a fresh wound here. You're not, that, like, a year. I don't remember. I don't remember it being that soon. Fr- yeah, because it's not like a, that's mama's guitar it. scenario. Well, like, in for comfort. some reason, I thought it was that she died giving birth to Michelle. I don't know why that was in my head. No, they eventually they, they tell you, yeah, it's a drunk driver. Yeah, yeah a car crash driver. Scenario. Yeah, they don't, but they don't tell you that right away. But I'll say we've talked about this in past episodes with like different shows we've covered. A lot of people try to weave in serious with comedy and have a really hard time doing it. Here, I think they do it pretty well. They don't get too serious on the show too often. Oh, no, they definitely they do moments. it well, yeah. But yeah, they, they have a good way of being able to merge it and know when to go in which direction without it. Listen, man, um, there was nothing funny about the death of Papuli, all right? Oh, my God. Right. Oh, that episode is heartbreaking. Oh. I could talk about... This episode's going to be maybe the hardest one to like try to disassociate i was thinking the same thing we always we've say it's hard ones. this one's real hard yeah we've yeah. already failed <laughs> yeah. yeah we're already yeah, talking about like, like, and the weird <laughs> greek death episode yeah we're gonna give like that five to ten minute pass up front and then we'll have to get into it but i think we're in the, we're okay because like everybody listening to us has seen this show too right there's nobody I out there who so. hasn't seen full house right, right? so I think we're okay to go off a little bit. But for the sake of what we do, we'll we'll dissect episode one here and we'll kind of pick it apart and do our best to, to try to separate for the sake of just this episode here. Also, before we go any further, I do want to remind everyone, s1e1pod.com. That's where you can follow all our socials, where to subscribe to us, all that stuff if you're catching us for the first time. Or if you're a listener that just kind of listens to us every week, but don't go that extra and follow us on social media. Go ahead and do that. We like interacting with you guys, so... Please do. Hit us up there, S21Pod. All right, so to get into the episode itself, we start off with... uh, To us now, it's an iconic theme, but for the sake of seeing it for the first time... First off, I wish I had the guy's name written down, but he's the guy that did all the big themes in that time frame. Jesse Frederick. Jesse Frederick. Um, he I thought did, you like, said Jesse Peppers at first. <laughs> Jesse Peppers. No, that's who did the theme song for Pe- Pepper Ann. It's a different person. <laughs> but yeah, he did um, what? Family Matters, Step by Step. Like he got all the heavy hitters. Wow, he's got a bankroll. Wow. Huh? Yeah, I think too. He had like an album that was produced by Todd Rundgren, and he was managed by Albert Grossman, who was Bob Dylan's manager. Like he had like this weird, like early, like kind of cool rock career, and then was like, you know what's better? If I just write these Money. amazing, like saccharine, sweet pop songs for these TV shows. That everyone will remember fucking forever. Is he uh, the vocals? He is, yeah. He's okay. a co-writer and the vocalist. It's, um, yeah, in, in the intro itself, you're just kind of seeing, like, the individual shots of everybody, them playing in a park, a couple, not a lot of clips from inside the actual show. It's just a lot of kind of, here's the cast, here's them all playing around. And a lot of San Francisco stuff. Yeah. yeah, and I like that. That's you know we've talked about this before. I think it was even last week we talked about it a little bit when we did Major Dad, where it was kind of this whole don't show us too much of the first episode because these pilots tend to get the the majority of the clips that they end up using in the intro. So it's like just yeah. film some extra stuff, and they did that here, and I think that works out just fine. It's you way know, better. I I I agree. You know what I did not like was the fact that I'm so used to seeing the intro as it was, like, in syndication and stuff that, like, it threw me off. Yeah, it's, like, twice as long in this episode. There's also a weird rear projection scene here. Like, everything looks good, but they're like, hey, it's the Golden Gate Bridge. Hey, look, you can see Alcatraz. Hey, we're on Fisherman's Wharf. We're, We're fishing, all this stuff. And then it shuts, like, it cuts to them in the back of the car, and the 
background behind them might as well have been like somebody with crayons drawing. The rear projection is so fucking yeah. bad. Yeah. But it's one minute or one second out of like a one minute perfect thing. And it you're jars like, why you. did you use that shot? It's so obviously green screened and it was just unnecessary. Like, Did you also notice that when they're at Fisherman's Wharf, it's definitely the original Danny? Yeah. So we'll talk yes. about that at the end of the episode, but. It wasn't always Bob Saget in the Danny position, and um, we will we'll cover that when we're done with the episode. But there Boy, are a couple times it. where where it's in the intro where if you're if you're paying attention, you'll notice that it's not Bob Saget. I would like to say too upfront. I'm sure everybody can agree here. R.I.P. Bob Saget, like a hero yes. of our childhood. I kind of forgot he died like halfway yeah. through this episode. Oh, I such realized a it, and I was like, and oh. it's one of those things. I mean, since we're bringing it up now, you know, when Bob Saget passed, for us who cover sitcoms we're like well we haven't done full house yet but it seemed really cheap to to capitalize on his no death no no you episode. all wanted to i was the one who said no we can't capitalize on his death nope definitely yes. not yeah ferg's always been the moral voice yeah <laughs> i was gonna yeah. say you the know, moral compass of the s1 podcast all the time Ferg. When, when someone dies and i don't want to cover hey, you're you're not you're wrong because you, we had this discussion when betty white died not yeah. bob saget i'm just saying but yes, yeah. But we're agreeing that you're saying it wrong. So, it- also to be weird for a second, my favorite thing Bob Saget ever did outside of this show is he directed the film Dirty Work, which I think is one right. of the funniest forgotten movies of all time. <laughs> and he's dead, and Norm Macdonald's dead, and somehow Artie Lang is still alive out of the three from that movie. And I well, find that fucking wild. I don't know if you look at that man. I'm pretty sure that's not Artie Lang. So. Do you think we've been, is it an AI Artie Lang or did we get like? No, it's like, uh, <laughs> he's missing half of his face now. Yeah, his nose yeah. kind of collapsed, right? Yeah, he snorted something that had things in it that weren't just what he intended to snort. It, uh, it, it messed ooh, him up. That's bad. So, ooh, but yeah. yeah, um. I love being close to 40 and not doing drugs anymore because now drugs are terrifying. But yeah, uh, <laughs> anyways, to go back, yeah. So the intro is, is pretty iconic and, um, from there we get into the actual, first scene of the episode and we start off in the living room which first off before we even get into the scene huge huge living room like it's i can't imagine what this house must have cost because it's not even like an inflation thing san francisco has always been expensive then not as bad though but i will say two things i'd like to say one this is the first this is ground floor alcove house I've mentioned this on a lot of shows we've covered where, like, I think even Step by Step has one where it's, like, uh, Reba for sure has one where you're like, why do these houses? I've never been in a house that has an alcove somebody could if live you, in. <laughs> if you've been listening to us for a while, you'll low-key know that Joe, for some reason, likes saying the word alcove. Like, there's something about it. <laughs> I've got alcove, Dar. <laughs> yeah. I can see them coming You know through. what's funny? Was in this episode, they specifically call out the alcove, which I'm sure really tickled you. I'm very happy, yeah. But if you look at just the dynamics, right, we know it's a set. We know it's not being filmed in a real house. And for the most part, it is what it is. You know, the setups are a little different for sitcoms. But this one is like, for this room to exist in reality would have to be so gigantic. Yeah. <laughs> like, with 30-foot ceilings. Like, there's just no way. Has anyone been to the Full House house? No. No, I haven't no. been to San Fran. Okay, so quick shout-out to my sister, Liz, who's probably listening right now for maybe the first time. I know Barry listens, but I know that. She's uh, a huge, huge Insane Full House fan. We were in San Francisco. We went to the house and got our picture taken in front of it, which I'll try to get a copy of so we can post it. People park and you just like, it's like the Dealey Plaza where JFK got shot. 
People just wait. You take your picture and you move on. And these poor people live in this house. This has to happen to you all the time. So they had to put a gate up. So, like, it almost doesn't even look like the house. They repainted it, first of all, and they put a gate up. So you kind of don't realize it's the house until you do. But when you see it, especially if you're familiar with the whole series, you're like, A, there's no garage. B, there's no attic that Jesse and Rebecca and Nikki and Alex are living in. They built There's it. no garage. There's no... Like, I thought the garage insane. was, like, the first floor. Like, it was underneath the first floor. I'm pretty sure you can see it in the intro, too. Like, you walk That's... up a set of stairs to get to the front door, but below it is the garage. That is very popular in San Francisco, and I know people who have houses like that, but the one in the actual full house house does not have that because there's no garage here's the thing right if you if you're the family that bought that house you know what you're getting into yeah so like you have to deal with that honestly if if that's something that's too much for you which for most people i totally understand oh yeah it would be don't for me. fucking buy that house and yeah, honestly buy another house that house is probably more expensive than every house on the street because it's that house so save your money and save yourself the aggravation also, if you had enough money to buy a house that big in San Francisco, you also have enough money to buy a house anywhere else or build a house that actually is the footprint of the full house house, which Be I would smart. love to live in. You buy that house and you convert it and you make it a tourist spot. You charge entry. Yeah. Inside, you set up some of the rooms to have memorabilia and things like that in it and you make an unofficial museum and just make bank because everyone who's in San Francisco will want to visit it. I'll make it an Airbnb. Don't just live there and be, or an Airbnb. Don't just live Airbnb. there and be upset that people are taking pictures in front of your house every day because that's just going to be the reality of the rest of your life. Yeah, that's yeah. every day forever. We went on like a Sunday at like two in the afternoon and there were cars lined up and people waiting. Everybody was very friendly, but I for sure felt for the owners like, ah, uh, that's a nightmare. I'd imagine it wouldn't be an aggressive area, the people who want the full house picture. Oh, no, it was everybody was about the same age as us and all looked pretty much just the same kind of like wimpy, non-intimidating people in their 30s, you know? So, yeah, so we get into the house itself and we have this first scene and we see Danny with his mother and a couple of his daughters. And the mom is uh, the grandmother to these kids, rather, is she's leaving because Danny's wife had passed away, as we find out. For the last few months, she's been just staying with her son and helping out with the kids. And it's time for her to finally go home. It's been three months. She has a husband at home. We don't know where she lives, right? Was it mentioned in this episode? No, they didn't. They never mentioned it. She has to get on a flight. It's not like she's like the next town over or anything. Yeah, but Jesse says later on that he was clearly in San Francisco because he mentions the Smash Club. And he ended up driving all the way to Reno. So that means it's a long drive all the way through it's like Southern California. It's like a ten-hour drive, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess you're on your motorcycle and you want to take that ride. Yeah, that has nothing very... to do with where Grandma lives. It's not even the same side of the family. Oh. What I'm saying though is maybe they're in Southern California, the family. Yeah. And now they live in Northern California, which is still, if you don't want to drive ten hours or five hours, or whatever, you fly. Because I think you do like there's like every hour commuter flights between LA. Oh, it's actually only a three and a half hour drive. Oh, interesting. I was gonna say, how come the uh grandfather isn't there too because you'd think that he would come to help out maybe he was in my mind he came every once in a while but he still has a job and stuff so he can't just like take three months off yeah he he definitely came once (laughs) that's where danny came from right so uh yeah so mom leaves and there's only about a two second pause where danny's alone with the kids but he's trying to like you know cheer them up you know they're upset well first off 
moms died, right? And the only thing that's kind of taken their mind off that is that they've had the joy of having grandma home. And now that she's leaving, he's like, hey, guys, like, it's going to be fun. Like, let's see some smiles here. And, you know, he's he's kind of setting up the scene for us uh, as he's talking to the kids. And he's like, hey, your Uncle Jesse's moving in. My best friend Joey's moving in. And, you know, now we're going to have all these roommates. You know, so, no sooner than that, we meet Jesse for the first time. Glorious mullet and all. Yes, it's John Stamos, who plays Uncle Jesse, uh, shows up and he's got his his bike helmet and a guitar in hand. And he's uh, he's definitely the cool uncle. I love that he's like, I'm a huge rocker. I play drums in the Beach Boys. Like, wait a minute. Those two things don't necessarily. I love the Beach Boys, but. Well, that's not how he presents himself uh, right now. (laughs) No, he comes in with like an Ibanez guitar, his leather jacket on, a motorcycle helmet. He looks so fucking cool. I have to think he's part of my childhood. Yeah, he's the coolest guy in the world when we're kids. So, uh, well, first of all, I saw the Beach Boys with John Stamos on drums when I was like two. I don't. I kind of actually remembered the stage. I was older than that thing. I was was like four. But John Stamos was 23 in this episode. That's crazy. We talk all the time about how they always look older than they they actually are, especially back then. I would not have guessed 23, though. That's fucking crazy. I mean, it also means John Stamos is in his 60s and he looks light years better than any one of the five of us. He's got that Greek blood, man. They just. They look good until they die. He's always looked great. And this is fresh off Before of one did. of the... Season one, he's not Greek yet. <laughs> yeah, he's Cochran in season one. He yeah, becomes Katsopolis later. He's Jesse Cochran in season one. Which I don't know. I mean, I don't. I didn't look that up, but that's a weird pivot. Like, they go from him being Jesse Cochran, who's the dad and part of the heir of a um, exterminator fortune... To immediately being like, you're David Katsopoulos, and we're bringing all the Greek actors from Greece <laughs> over here. Like, that's a weird pivot. That's fine. It's just strange. Well, you his name it's... was actually supposed to be Adam, too. It wasn't even supposed to be Jesse, but John Stamos didn't like it. And then they switched it to pay an homage to his Greek heritage that he well, actually Well, do you had. know where Jesse came from? Jesse is the name of, like, Elvis's brother who had passed away. Oh, okay. Yeah, like he's the uh, like the Jesse, uh, the Elvis and Jonas, Johnny Cash sort of like I've been halved, like dead brothers to them <laughs> that they have to bring up. Walk hard, but yeah, um, the kids are really excited to see their uncle, and right away you're getting the because di- he's like the cool guy, and Stephanie wants to you know play ballet with him, and you're getting that kind of him trying to I don't know, like he he's he's still having a hard time breaking out of his shell, right? He's still. He's one of those guys who's trying to protect his image even when he's still home with his family, right? He's the cool yeah. uncle. I don't do ballet. Now, Jay, as, as point, the cool uncle, do you ever play ballerina with your niece? I've never been asked to play ballerina, but, I mean, I'll play along with just about anything else. You know, we've <laughs> we've definitely done beauty shop with Barbies and little and like puppy uh, cleaning and <laughs> all these things uh, that she wants to play. You try to play it cool at least, like Uncle Jesse? No, I'm I'm not, you know, I'm only cool in her eyes. So, I mean, it doesn't really, <laughs> you know, I have no image to project. Jay walks down holding a guitar he can't play for no reason. <laughs> <just> throws <laughs> it the uh, there is that thing, too, is when he first walks in, it, you, you mentioned, you know, him, you know, riding his bike in from Reno and all this stuff and be at the Smash Club. And he's getting, like, I don't know why he's getting to a detailed story how well, he met some girl the night before and was, like, going to, like, fuck her all night. <laughs> it's like. Because, <laughs> like, no, because he's 23. Because yeah. that's an I'm 23 story. True. 
It's also an I'm 37 story because you have a story like that. It's like so wildly shouldn't happen. I guess you tell it too. But there's like a moment between your early 20s and your late 30s where like you don't say that stuff. But in those moments you do. Speak for yourself. Where were these stories when he was dating Aunt Becky and I wanted to hear it? (laughs) Well, now you have to hide those stories because now you're in a new relationship (laughs) and your past didn't happen anymore. That's true. And then Aunt Becky screwed some child out of her rowing championship scholarship or whatever, and now she's in jail. <laughs> no, I think she's out now. Yeah, I don't think she's in jail. No, anymore. they went for a very small time. They were the luckiest people ever to be like, I don't want to go to prison. I'm famous. And then it was like COVID happened, and they were like, you can go home now. Like, we're not putting real, like, non-real criminals aren't going to stay in jail. They weren't going to go anyways. I don't think she had a long sentence anyway. No. Regardless. It was like three months. Yeah. There's also a matter, I mean, like, listen, she's not even in this episode, so we can't get into it too much anyways, but it's one of those things, like, isn't jail supposed to be for, like, real crime? Like, you killed someone? If you just do fraud, like, you should just have to pay fines. Like, let's not, let's not I waste agree. prison space. I, I disagree. That incentivizes yeah. committing fraud. <laughs> no, nope. because she she defrauded other rich people. That listen, is why. She got in trouble for no, being a good parent, thing. all right? I'm going to say that. You do whatever it takes for your kid, and that's what she did. I stand by 100%, though. If if there was a different scenario in this world where she actually married John Stamos, and they walked up to that jury and said, we're sorry, (laughs) they would have been like, case dismissed. You guys can walk away. If if that judge sentenced them to that... (laughs) <laughs> the world would have went after that poor judge. <laughs> yeah. The judge would have been like, how rude. And everyone would have been like, oh, okay, judge. Everything's when you fine. Look at, when you look at her also, she also has hardly aged in the last 30 years. She looks great. great still, yeah. Yeah, yeah it looks when, great. When you put the two of them next to each other, it's like, I'm sorry. Like, how did only I get older? Like, since when was I older <laughs> than the two of them? Yeah, I was two when this episode came out, and I look like human garbage now. How do you both look so wonderful? When all that uh, stuff did come up with her and, like, uh, the college fraud stuff, her daughter is a clone of her, by the way. Like, spitting image. It's crazy. That's Jay's low-key way of saying that her teenage daughter is hot, but not saying that her teenage daughter <laughs> is hot. You can, look like, you can look like a parent without making it sexual, you pervert. <laughs> Yeah, but it's different if your parent is Abe Vigoda. You're talking about how hot somebody is, and then their child looks just like them. In fairness, Joe, we've been very clear about your preferences, so if you had used that comparison, then that would be you saying that, that that's a hot kid. Yeah, any woman who looks like Abe Vigoda, slide into these DMs. <laughs> so anyways, to move on with the scene, um, Joe, this is when your favorite character of the show comes in. We meet Joey Gladstone, uh, and he's holding a pile of laundry that's completely covering him. Loose laundry. It's not in a bag or anything. And he just drops it on the floor so he can do his with his uh, fake trumpet. Well, no, he hugs Danny. Danny grabs the laundry, and then he drops oh, it. Oh, Danny finds out it's it? Dirty. Oh, I thought yeah. he just yeah. dropped it. Yeah. that's not Because this Danny, is before we get the whole Danny's a clean freak thing. We're establishing characters, you know, just like we said, like Jesse's character, and they really embrace the Greek thing more with time. One thing to point out here, though, that I wanted to say that I noticed watching this again this time was that this is very much a product of its times. It's 1987. We are in the middle of the comedy boom of the 80s and the huge rock and roll boom of the 80s. And it like never kind of clicked to me that the two archetypes of the two. That's why they're doing it. Yeah, the two uncles. I'll call Joey an uncle. He's a comedian and he's a rocker and they're in California. Like it's so 
I never picked up on that before. Now I'm like, oh, this is such perfect, I, like perfect idea for the time. And then to go back to what I was in mid sentence of saying, when you look back at a lot of these characters, you know, with with a lot of these shows that have time to flesh themselves out, you see growth and they kind of turn these characters into more than what the original intent was. So you find things about them to kind of latch on to and and, and kind of round them out and, and give them more of a three-dimensional like feel than what they have in those early episodes when you don't really know what you have yet. Yeah, and then you, you learn that Joey is just a terrible hack comic. And it makes sense yeah. because he comes in dressed like a terrible 80s hack comic. Yeah, I don't know. He got the first laugh out of me in this episode. Doesn't it kind of make you also think, though, uh, sorry to go back a second, with the, like, you, you look at a lot of these shows that we've covered that don't make it out of their first season, and then you look at a lot of shows, too, that we love, but we acknowledge the first season isn't so great, and you think, well, what if you gave, like, that show a chance, too? Like, what would that show be? You know, if you gave it time to breathe and, like, learn itself. It's kind of an interesting thing when you kind of you know, think about it in that light. Yeah. We've done 112 episodes. And I think that we're almost experts on this at this point. We know when the show has good bones and when it doesn't. So even if it's shaky in the first season or the first couple of episodes, the foundation is there to build off of um, in almost, I want to say, 90% of the time. Yeah, but I mean, there's also just that element of it. Sometimes there are elements. We, we recently covered the McCarthy's, what, two weeks ago. And when when we covered that, like, that show wasn't that great. We didn't pass it as a whole. It was awful. And we said there was a lot of, there were a lot of the right pieces were there, but it just didn't mesh in. And then maybe if they gave it a little more time, maybe if we retool it a little bit going to season two, maybe they adjust the writing a little bit, add some stuff to the characters. Maybe it becomes a more well-rounded show, right? But they just, a lot of these networks, especially nowadays, are way less patient with shows. Oh, yeah. They're on to the next one immediately. So that leash is so tight that some of these shows that maybe that they do have a little bit of that bones in there, like to, to formulate, they just don't give it the, the energy and attention to, to get to that point. I mean, think of a, think of the office season two versus the office season one. It's light years different with the same people, right? Like it had to have eight episodes to like figure out where it was. Yeah. And then by season two, you're like, okay, we're going to do the same thing now. And we've got the formula for next 200 episodes. So, yeah, so when Joey shows up, you know, we, we said he, he has all this laundry and, I, I mean, even, even like, j- just to think about it, like, the idea, like, he doesn't have even a trash bag to put his stuff in. Like, he's, he's literally just walking in with a handful of clothes. But then he, but then he, he walks out in. of his car. That's what yeah. I'm thinking. So, it's all probably in his back seat. He walks, he walks over to the alcove and immediately notes that, like, I'm not going to be able to fit all my stuff in here. So, I mean, he has more than a car's worth of things because and the alcove is pretty big. And we, we discussed this a little earlier, but he has to live in a fucking alcove. That house is giant. How does it only have three bedrooms? I well, find yeah. ways to yeah. convert so many like, bedrooms in the ongoing seasons, including Joey. They give yeah. Joey a very nice room. He gets the garage. He gets the, he gets the, uh, he gets the coolest room later, yeah. it's Yeah, eventually they figure it out. But, but up front, as things are new, yeah, you'd think they could have maybe been a little bit more creative, but... <laughs> You're going in the middle of the living room's alcove, like... <laughs> How did Uncle Jesse get that huge fucking room and Joey got the alcove? He's family. He's family. He had to to settle for the bunny room, which I think probably would have fit Joey more where he would have enjoyed it. 
Also, to be fair, I think Danny came to this being like, Jesse is going to get laid all the time. Yeah. Joey is not going to get laid ever. So we can put him in the alcove okay, where no, there's no if, door. If, if Jesse gets laid all the time, they're going to put him across from the daughter's room? It's better than putting him in the living room. <laughs> like that's yeah, why it's a floor down where they won't they won't hear him. They walk down to get milk in the middle of the night, and Jesse's going to town on some like girl who looks like she's in a white snake video. That is not going to do well for the rest of them. You would put up a wall in the alcove for Jesse. Get like one of these dividers. Now, here's a question though: If you put a wall up on an alcove, is it still an alcove? I'm going to say this word as many times as I can. No, now it's a closet. <laughs> if you put a wall there, it's alcove. It was a good-sized alcove. I mean, it's a decent-sized alcove. And uh, as they're having this conversation, Danny does note, because of Joey's reservations about the size of it and him living in it, Danny notes, well, you are living here for free. And uh, so as an unsuccessful comedian, I think that was enough to sway him. And It's weird watching the episode that he's an unsuccessful comedian. Well, the struggling hat comic, I think, works a little bit more than him just being, like, very popular. Doesn't... Uh, doesn't why would he be so willing to move in and live in an alcove you know if he's doing well for himself we're guessing mitzi did not pass him at the comedy store right we get our first joey impression right here when he does the little popeye laugh the first of many impressions we'll get from him throughout the episode speaking of impressions jay how's your bobcat goldthwaite going he does yeah, bobcat goldthwaite doesn't even do it anymore so if he doesn't do it that means there's an opening for someone to do that voice. There you I'll go, you, big guy. I'll, I'll give you a quick Popeye. <laughs> well, blow me down. The gug 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 thing really gets to me at this point in my life. Oh, that's it. Him gug 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 gug. Like I don't know if I. I think there's so much G in it in his in his impression. Popeye's just been ruined for me since Family Guy when they said those things on his arms were tumors. Why are you? The, you've like been that. like a nonstop bummer this whole episode. You've been like the most <laughs> upbeat, happy show, and like every now and again you have to just say something to like tear the emotion out of it. Family Guy did it to me, so I get to do it to you. Also, I don't know if you guys had saw this, but this is kind of a art imitating life situation where in real life dave Coulier lived on bob saget's couch for a while uh in his like early days as a comedian oh, i didn't you know could, that that's cool you could say you ought to know that <laughs> and at the terror <laughs> team alanis so yeah, when she um, blew him did he go wow when he finished <laughs> did somebody fall what <laughs> did he do the sprinkler <laughs> so um anyway it was brought up earlier so the next scene we get into jesse's new room and um he can't help but notice all the pink bunnies along the wall which becomes like a like a staple thing they they really uh, you know in future episodes not to get ahead but um yeah it's Is michelle it? it's mi- not Miss. i'm sorry it's not michelle it was stephanie's room stephanie's now moving in with dj there's three daughters i don't even think we've Laid that out. I think we're assuming that everyone knows everything, which and I'm assuming 99% of you who are listening to this episode is knows the basic foundation of Full House. But for argument's sake, the middle daughter, Stephanie, is moving in with her big sister to uh, open up a room for Jesse to live in. And Jesse's early reaction to seeing this room and the bunnies on the wall and everything, he's going, oh, you know what would be great here? Barbie's dream house. And Danny's like, we've got one. <laughs> They have such great chemistry together. They do. Yeah. And it's funny because in real life, those two became lifelong best friends. But here, they didn't really know each other much. Um, They were pretty, um, they kind of met doing this. 
I know we haven't talked about it yet, <clears throat> but the whole uh, Danny swap, character swap, or actor swap, rather. I wonder how long Bob Saget had to, like, get ready for this and to redo it. Like, I wonder how long he actually knew the cast before this episode was filmed. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't remember specific timelines. Go into and, it a little bit. But yeah, well, I mean, we're going to get into it. We're going to get into it later, but, uh, you know, th- there was some framework there. He wasn't um, completely plucked out of nowhere. There was some early framework where he was in consideration for this to begin with. Basically, it was two guys they wanted, and neither were available, so they picked the other guy. And then, after filming everything, the show got picked up. All of a sudden, he was available, and they yeah. just fucking dropped the other guy. And again, when we get past the show, yeah. we'll, we'll yeah, kind of we'll get into some of that it. stuff. But Nick, to answer your question, if I had to guess, I'm assuming he probably knew the Olsen twins probably about like eight months. That's how old they are. That was a joke. They're not waka the waka. Let's see what I did there. Um. Yeah. God, my um, comedy set's going down just like Dave Coulier's does to a crowd every night. So here we also have what will be the first of thousands and thousands of hugs on this show. Um, when Danny's you know thanking his brother-in-law for coming in and helping out with everything, and you know they do the hug, and obviously Jesse's. He's too cool for hugs. He says, you know, we could set aside special times for that, but, you know, you're not just going to hug me out of nowhere. I like the idea of them having an allotted hug time at a yeah. certain point of the day, though. <laughs> I do appreciate that, again, they, they've got such a good chemistry, and he's like, you believe it. He was like, I understand why you need to do this, and we'll set aside a special time where we can, but it can't just be sort of out of nowhere. I yeah, like see, that. Uh, it's six o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> like, There's that moment, too, right after the, the gag where he goes to put his clothes in the closet, but the... The hanger's way too low, so all his shirts are just, like, dangling on the ground. And he's like, oh, great, I live in Webster's room. <laughs> I think, like, you know, you know they're moving in. It's not a secret. And we find out, you know, like, Pam had passed three months ago, and the mother's been there. Maybe spend a little bit of time redoing the room and getting you ever it set up. You taking down wallpaper before? It's a long process. Well, if your brother-in-law is going to move in with you, to help you raise your daughters, maybe spend a little bit of time and effort in just ripping the wallpaper. I don't know, Jay. Moving the rack Keep up. this in mind. He's a 30-year-old with three kids and a full-time job. But I doubt he was right grieving time. You're you utilize know. the time. Yeah, no, no, no. He just lost his wife. He has three kids, one newborn. Let's also, like, not gloss over that fact. Yeah. Michelle is a baby. A baby baby. Yeah, that's a lot of work. I that's a lot of feeling, work. like, the move. Was like a last minute thing. Like the grandma was there. He probably volunteered, and like he didn't think it's like the offer you make that you don't think they'll say yes. And then I'm like, yeah, that would be great. And then like a week later, he's there, like just an assumption. I will say, full house. If you go into the history of it, though, for, for to Jay's point, if they're ever gonna do real big changes on the house, it's usually by accident. It's usually somebody drives a car through the wall. Somebody puts a cement truck through the wall. Somebody uh, almost leaves. Like It's always an issue. So it'll happen eventually, but you have to wait for a big moment to cause it to happen. And then moving on from there, like I said, Stephanie had to move out of that room to make it open for Jesse. Now we see her in her new room with her older sister, DJ. And DJ's doing that kind of classic TV thing where she's, she has like this yellow streamer that she's using to divide the, the room in half and saying, you know, this is your half and my and, and don't cross the line ever. And she's like, well, how Made am I going to get out? by the monsters. Were they the originators? I'm pretty sure it was Herman and um, 
grandpa that did it first. I'm not positive mm. about that one though. It's a great TV trope. I would love to give them. Yeah, the it's been for done it. so many times. Yeah, the, I, braid, I, I the Brady's curious. did it. Everyone's done it at some point. This is also too where you get more of the hey we're in San Francisco stuff too because DJ has a a Giants pennant and an Alcatraz pennant. Yeah. Also a sweet bangles like three sweet bangles posters on the wall. That room's pretty awesome. Later on, it becomes just like a way too much of a. Isn't there a big George, George Michael Michaels? Posters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of like George Michael's butt posters on the wall yeah. in the next couple seasons. I do like the visual gag of when, when Stephanie's trying to get out and she's climbing along like the top of the window, like, and you can tell like someone behind that curtain must be like holding I, her yeah, up. Yeah, I was gonna say you could see the person behind the thing holding. No, yeah, I think she was strung up. You could see the outline of a of, yeah. of a like man there, like. She's not, oh, man, yeah, she, she's not, you can tell she's not, like, dangling. She's, like, she's too, like, upright to, to be, um to be, like, free-falling and holding on to that thing. But to set up for people who haven't seen it, like, she literally climbs on top of the very large windows, uh, curtains, and then, like, army crawls all the way across it, and then gets slid the other way. And it works really well as a visual, yeah, it and it's fun. kind of a fun big swing. She's not just climbing, though. It's because she split the room and DJ says she can't come on her side. Yeah, she's really trying to figure out how though. she can exit the room ever where DJ has control uh, interest of the doorway. <laughs> and while she's dangling from there, it's when you have all the all the adults walk in. It's like, Stephanie, what are you doing? And you get the, you know, just hanging around. <laughs> waka waka. Nobody ever seems to figure out that, like, you can still do that, but then do, like, a 90-degree angle towards the door so that everybody still has a way out. Like, on TV shows, they're always just like, nope, it goes across this way, and there's no way to leave. No, it's supposed to be one person gets the door or the bathroom, the other gets all, like, the, the kitchen and the food. So each one's like, yeah. oh, I guess I'll eat my food, and the other one looks at them hungry, and then they have to pee. He goes, oh, where's the food gonna go? Oh, I think that's how the Brady Bunch does it, because I think in the Brady Bunch, they've both, they have adjourning doors, I think, for both the girls' room and the boys' room that go into the same bathroom, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was something like that. Which, for an architect, bad, bad design. Well, the dad was the architect. That's what I mean. It's a bad design as an architect. Mike Brady was a terrible architect. You know what's funny, actually, as we say it, for all the shows that we, you know, we're like, oh, we have to add that to the list. I don't think we've ever even brought up. We've never discussed the the Brady Bunch. We've never even, like, brought up in passing the Brady Bunch in all these episodes we've done. You know why? Because it's a sitcom, but I don't find it even remotely funny. And I don't mean that as an insult. I like the Brady Bunch. But because I don't find it funny at all, I don't consider it a sitcom because the com is missing. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of, yeah. I mean, when Alice is talking about wanting to fuck Sam the Butcher. A horny Alice is the exception. Yeah. I, I do love horny Alice, but also like weird horny brother sister sharing bathroom stuff happens a couple times. I think it just like filmed improperly and well, I just think Johnny was, Bravo. It's another show like this, though, where they do a lot of life lessons mixed in with the with the comedy situation. But they leaned a little bit more into that stuff. Ferg, to your point, I'll also say the same thing about the Partridge family, too. Yes. That was a sitcom that I just, no com. More sick. I used to like that show a lot, actually, because that was on Nick at Night a lot, and we watched a good amount of it. Partridge Family, also the precursor to California Dreams. Get out of here. Gross. I hate it even more now. Well, I'm sorry that you're not a surf dude with an attitude, but <laughs> you can suck right off. <laughs> Kinda yeah, anyway, so um, <laughs> as the adults all come in, and while Danny's plucking his daughter off of the window... Joey's excited because of that stream. He's like, all right, limbo. And, you know, he starts limbo and, you know, dika la kapuka, dika la kapuka. It's the 80s. Is Joey 
is Joey just like a cokehead? Um, like, if he he's a comedian in the eighties, yes. Like this is eighty seven. Like Joey is just doing coke, right? He is. He gone he's to the, Bob Saget's stash. Yeah. He's the he's the wish version of Robin Williams. Yeah, and in yeah. fact, he yeah, plays the genie after Robin Williams. It's funny you say that because we'll talk about it later. But that's what I thought about the actor who plays the original. Danny Tanner is he's kind of a Bobo uh, yes. Ron Williams. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's a Bobo uh, Coulier. Well, yeah. And again, let's save it. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. So, you know, as things are heading off, Danny's just kind of like, hey, can you make sure, you know, you watch the kids? I have to go to work. And we find out that he does like sports coverage on like local television. And he's got a segment coming up on boxers, uh, highly skilled athletes or bullies in shorts. And, uh, as he's heading out to work, Stephanie asks if he can have a piggyback ride, if she can have a piggyback ride, which was her clever way out of the room because she can't step on DJ's part of the floor. But, you know, when you have an airlift, she can get out of the house. Basically playing the ground is lava. This is also a time, too, I think that, like, people who are younger than us won't really remember. But, like, boxing exists now, right? Like, and there is the occasional big boxer who comes out like Manny Pacquiao like, breaks out of the pack and he has some fights people care about. But at this time, boxing was huge. And, like, pay-per-view was just becoming a thing. All of the Mike Tyson fights, the, um... God, what was the video game? Oh. Punch-Out? Punch-Out? Uh, yeah, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out was, like, a huge thing. And then, um... God, who got his ear bit by Tyson? He's under huge... Holyfield. 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 Yeah, Evander Holyfield. Like, these are, like, huge people and these fights were huge deals. See, Holyfield? <laughs> How did you, you get it wrong batter? after three of us said it to you? You heard it three uh, times. I go back and check the tapes on that one. Vander Holyfield uh, also had a great video game. I think a Sega game. He had a Sega um, game. I had that one. Yeah, yeah, it was a good one. But like boxing was huge then in a way that it is not now. So him doing an expose on boxing is like a ratings grabber sort of thing, which I just feels weird because it's sort of like a like MMA just sort of beat everything and threw it out nowadays you know well late 80s early 90s boxing like that heyday of the hbo boxing was that's when like heavyweights ruled the world in boxing and it was just big dudes beating the shit out of each other it and was just each other tyson out. tyson big dudes no there was attitude. a lot of, i mean there was a lot of big boxers at that time <laughs> tyson was definitely an anomaly in that you know he was a, a name somebody from that era who didn't fight tyson they didn't. They all fought Tyson. But they were That's all what the I top mean. Guys. He's the one who made everybody have a name. It was just Tyson yeah, he's that the really goat. made That's that. That's like saying name someone that didn't fight Rocky in the Rocky movies, though. It's, they all fought each other, so they'd all fight Tyson. Yeah, everyone eventually. Anyone who was a top ranked guy has to fight Tyson as the champion. Like, the, there's a reason they fought him. But they also threw a bunch of tomato cans at him and were like, "We'll give you a million dollars. You just get punched in yeah. the face we and go down like, in the first round." Top tier boxers like Peter McNeely and stuff who were fighting Mike Tyson. I mean, it's not—he's not famous just because he fought Mike Tyson. Everyone knew who Peter McNeely was. I mean, the well, first pay per view yeah, I ever bought George was Fulman. Cigars Uniform versus Mike Tyson live on pay per view. <laughs> I hate, by the way, fight. that none of you caught that. None of you caught the Peter McNeely thing. This upsets what? me so what? much. I'm like infuriated that I can't even fucking. <sighs> Oh, oh, the cat's mad too now. Yeah, the cat's <laughs> mad. Who who is Peter McNeely? He was when he was the first fight Mike Tyson had after jail, and he was a scrub from like Brockton, and he and killed. All him. right, so he I was gonna mention that him. I thought that was oh. the Massachusetts guy, yeah. but I don't know enough about he was boxing. Like, uh, listen, if if you're listening, Peter McNeely, I'm sorry, but he was like this big level. He was like Moochie. 
in Death to Smoochie. He was like, he just wasn't. My name's Moochie. Yeah. He's, you know, he was one of those guys. And um, I would I would tell you all, if you have a chance, look up clips of him. He's hilarious to watch. But um, And since he only lives a 40-minute drive from Jay, when he comes to beat the shit out of him yeah. next week. I thought, you know. I thought anything bad about him. It was such a local thing. I thought at least one of you, like Jay, calls him a scrub. The, I know the, the story. I never. I don't know his name off the yeah. top of my head. So that I'll, I'll, I'll send you guys a clip when we're done recording. But anyways, to, to get along, we're kind of in the show. We're going from room to room to room, right? We're, we're, they're showing us the whole house one room at a time. So the next scene now we're in Michelle's nursery, and Michelle's crying and. Joey, who's doing impersonations whenever he has a chance to open his mouth, is doing a little baby voice. When he uh, turns to Joey, I don't even remember what he said, but I spit my drink out. It made me like, laugh so hard. Like, what are we doing now, Joey? Yeah, he's like, what are we going to do? <laughs> it was so stupid, but it it surprised me. Yeah. <laughs> that surprised me, too. And then Jesse turning to the baby Michelle and going, hey, shut up. I <laughs> 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 Caught me completely off guard. That was hysterical. Yeah, I didn't expect it. And if you know the show, that's not the way he ever talks to the kids. So it, like, really jars you. It's so funny. He's he's still not acclimated to that lifestyle yet. Also, that's when we get, um, he, that's when Joey does his sprinkler move. Uh, he talks like Kermit the Frog. Yeah, Pee Wee Herman. You know what? He does a good Kermit. He should voice Kermit now because current Kermit is terrible. Well, did that's you true. know this? Did you know that he did voice uh, baby animal in the Muppet Babies. I believe it. He did a lot of voice work. Um, yeah. In that era, he also was Peter Van- the second Peter Vankman after Lorenzo Music uh, left. Unreal Ghostbusters. Yeah. I still. I would love to go back. Is Disney Plus or anybody playing Muppet Babies? And if so, did they edit out all the weird times that they like opened up the closet and there was like a Nazi Hitler? propaganda film playing? Which is like the weirdest thing to think about that was shown to us as kids all the time. Not I'm the first sure time that's come up here. On there, they yeah. made a big deal about adding all the Jim Henson stuff. I never bothered to look, and now I don't have Disney Plus anymore. It's a shame. Mandalorian's really good. Not this season. It was terrible. I have Disney I Plus, and I literally one. once a month just rewatch The Rocketeer, and that's all I use it for. It's a great go-to-sleep movie. Interesting. It is. A, that's yeah. one of Disney's best movies. I agree. So um, while they're trying to handle this stuff, they realize the reason Michelle is crying is because she's got a dirty diaper. Poopy dipes. Now they have to figure out how to take uh, take care of this. It, it first did... Joey have to stick his finger in the diaper, or was he just doing a over the diaper warmth feel? I think it was more like a warmth feel, yeah, yeah. He's or like even like you just feel. touch it, and you can tell there's like yeah. volume. Poopy. Yeah, this hell, trust me, this is heavy. So they uh they grab her like on either end, and they they bring her down to the kitchen, and uh, this is how they're gonna take care of the situation. Neither of them know how to change a diaper, and I'll say before we even get into this scene, the creator of the show, Jeff Jeff Franklin, correct. Yep. Said that this scene is what sold the show. This specific scene is what made this show a reality. I will say too, you're you're not uh like if you think about them running down with the baby, that's like one way to say it, but like it's shot so well. It's a wide shot and they're holding the baby very far between them and they go all the way down every set of stair yeah. with one person forward, one person backwards, with the real baby and then into the kitchen. I think it's impressive too because you don't see a lot of shows like this where they show a stairway that you can actually use. 
right? Where, like, a lot of times it's, like, if you see, like, Edith going up the stairs and all in the family, you can tell that, like, she hits stair three and there's no more yeah. place to go. They have to she cut the camera. Like, they're all ah! the way up there. <laughs> Archie, I fell down. <laughs> Archie, where's the second floor go? That meathead took away the second floor, huh? <laughs> when they get into the kitchen, they Stephanie's sitting there anyway, so now she's, you know, here for the show. And they're trying to figure out where to put the baby and, like, they're, they're scrambling. And they settle on this, like, big pot. She's like, are you going to cook Michelle? It's like, no, we're changing <laughs> her diaper. That. She goes, oh, <laughs> laugh, and how do you roast laugh. a turkey? <laughs> good kid acting in this. <laughs> we haven't mentioned that in this episode. We've seen a lot of terrible kid acting low these 100-plus uh, episodes. Good kid acting in this uh, Stephanie this is great in this. She's yes, really, really good. And she be like, what, six? Um... I don't know, actually. Probably somewhere in that area. I would say in that DJ's general, like yeah. ten. I would pick DJ is about ten. What, what's her real name? Seven. I can't think of her real name right now. Jody Swenton. Sweeten, yeah. Sweeten. 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 So yeah, she was born in uh, eighty-two. So she was four. Yeah. Wow. Oh. Wow. Four. Yeah. Yeah, four or five. That's crazy. Wow. That's yeah. A, that's she young. doesn't look that. Jesus. Yeah. No. She's a. I mean, to to think of like you know like you said. And any other child, you know, like in the real world, like some of these kids are, it, it is crazy how trained they are in these situations when you think about like, you know, if any of you have, you know, Ferg, you have a son or like my niece, like thinking about them in that age, you know, you know, Gordo, you have um, a nephew who, you know, remember when he was yeah. younger. And it, it's like, just to think at that age to be like, you know, we're still playing like primitive games at this point. And they're it's like, a big to ask think, to think of like, yeah. hey, memorize this script. I need you to perform it this way. Like, that's so much to ask of a kid. Well, I was actually going to bring that up later when we discussed the 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 other Danny. But, like, the, the, the fact that these kids did the same thing, multiple takes. Like, no, very they... impressive. But, they, I mean, I'll get into something else, yeah, too, we'll, around again, there, we'll, but... we'll get into it. I will so, say this though. I want this brings it up, but how good they are and how good their takes are, you can tell every time they cut to Michelle. They do it like four different times in the episode. It looks like a different film grade, or yeah. they're in a different place. Like the yes. lighting is different because they probably had to like right do those takes so many times where they're just like just get a pickup shot of the baby's face. It doesn't matter where she is. You have like, we'll super cut it in. super no limited timing with children, and they're only because the lights that's are so why hot. They there's use a lot of twins. That's why, like, yeah, every small child in the show is a set of twins. And, yeah, because of that, they have to do the best to get their coverage when they can. Do you think for stuff like, like that, they just, like, grab whichever baby's in the better mood? <laughs> like, probably. You know, but then, probably. Smiling. Yeah. Come in. But then you got to rotate because, like, 15 minutes pass and you have to put yeah. the other one in. And if you've ever, like, setting up, like, a single scene and, like, the amount of time of setup and everything involved takes so long for even something simple. So when you only have like legit 15 minutes you can keep a kid on set at a single time like you have to basically have everything ready we're about to film right now and then you have to like run the kid out for the right before they say action so you can utilize as much of that time as possible and then switch them you know it's probably a lot that goes into it that's why you have these weird coverage shots like you said don't always quite match up like you you, don't quite look the same you're doing the best you can to make it work what is this 15 minutes thing you're talking about well, under a certain age, um, just like the labor laws for like child actors and stuff, because of the hot lights that they're performing under in their, in their age, you're only allowed to, and I think I'm almost positive it's 15 minutes, but I'm not 100% sure. They can only be on set 
consecutively for like 15 minutes before they need to take a break. Yeah, so like no, you can't work okay. past a certain hour. I think There's it like jumps up kid for age laws. group. Yeah, as your age yeah. changes, it moves up. But when you're like an infant, you know, you have to, it's a very small amount of time. So that's why, again, they use twins because you basically double your coverage time because you can sub them out back and forth and stuff. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. And in this case, we just, we're more familiar with the Olsen twins because they kind of transcended the show with time. But twins on shows like this, it's very common to use. Oh, yeah. You know, sets of twins. And in movies, too, like Ghostbusters 2, I always remember as a kid seeing Oscar, do the credits yeah. at the end that Oscar is two different kids. Right. Poor boys into a hot dog. Even on, um, like, the kid in Big Daddy <laughs> that, like, were, were twins. Yeah, they, they ended up being big Disney. Um, uh, Dylan and Cole Sprouse, I think, is their name. I forget. One still, like, does stuff like that. The other's, um, again, director and stuff, like, artsy shit, though, like. I was watching something about them the other day, but we're not talking about them. So yeah, so, so yeah, and to not you know blow past the scene, this there's a lot of really good physical comedy that's going on with this changing of the diaper scene. They're like holding her up and just splashing water and stuff. I'm actually not to be weird. I'm kind of surprised that like they allowed you to see like full the baby butt. butt. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Show I feel like back then I was gonna say, but right now I don't think they would do that. Yeah, like because if you think of when Disney Plus came out, they had that scene in Splash where Daryl Hannah. Walks to the beach, and for a second, you see like a little bit of her butt at a Disney they edited Plus. It they, out. Yeah, well, they lengthened her hair so it would cover <laughs> her butt, which is wild, right? Like, it's not a sexual yeah. scene of any way. So, the idea that like we just saw baby butt on a TV show is, yeah, it's it, kind of it, crazy now. I kind of wonder now, though, I wonder if the version we watched was different. I don't know if we all watched it in the same place, but I wonder if in like syndication, if they still would run it that way. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't have kids personally. I don't, but you know, like I feel like every one of us had pictures of us naked. Oh as yeah, kids. A ton of them. Yeah. You know, like it was just a thing you did. And I think yeah. that that's like a very not thing you do anymore. Yeah, especially now that you share kind of all your stuff on the internet, you wouldn't right. just want to just yeah. post that. You know what I mean? It's just or like I've definitely seen people who like friends of ours who have kids who like posted stuff and they have to like do like a, a smiley emoji. face yeah. over yeah exactly. over the the little baby winky. You just put that eggplant emoji right there. <laughs> she gotta go there and then uh anyways to go back there so now they gotta find a diaper and they don't know where the diapers are and they're looking everywhere and then they just grab a roll of paper towels because hey they're super absorbent <laughs> this whole scene is so great like you can yeah. take this one scene i would love to take this scene and go back in time to every show that we've all given the consecutive uh, fail to be like watch this first like this <laughs> is how a sitcom works it's so fucking perfect it's timed well it's funny they use everything around them and they bring in characters from the outside to like put a button on a joke like Stephanie is perfect at the end of it well yeah because it's setting up you have two guys that are both coming in from completely different walks of life that now have to young bachelors help raise these kids and the first time Danny leaves them alone with the kid like why would either of them know how to change a diaper? You know what I mean? It's not just something that instinctively it's, it's you're going to be like, oh, not rocket okay. science either, though. I understand, but, sure, you know. Sure, but the first time you do new. it, I've never done it. I imagine the first time you do it, it's a bit daunting. You don't yeah, know you're going to splash. You don't know to wipe an ass and then put a new diaper on? By the time I, I learned how to wipe mine, I was out of diapers. So, you know. <laughs> but you wipe? No, I yeah, just, yeah. I just, I stand in front of the kitchen sink and I just use yeah, I was a little water say, I just thing. Usually yeah. spray and then I wrap the myself hose in, and yeah. then put my ass I wrap in front myself of a in fan. paper towels and then yeah, we call it a day. 
You know what was neat though? They did the paper towel thing with the like when they were spinning around, and then yeah. all of a sudden it morphed into an actual diaper, but they had to make it look like like um it was still paper towels. I was also thrown off too. They pull a bag out that I was like, is that a giant Ziploc bag? But then it's got like rope poles in it. There's like a produce. Yeah, bag it's or like when you go to like a wedding and they have like the little net gift bag things with stuff in them, but it was like a yeah. giant version of that. Maybe it was from their wedding. Maybe it's like to roast vegetables in. <laughs> oh no, that's exactly what it is. That's was a, it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. I'm taking a shot yeah. in the dark. Yeah, that works. I believe it. But yeah, no. Again, like I said, uh, you know, to start off, apparently this was the scene that like sold the show. So, and you can huh. see why. It, it, like, it just it sets everything up. You, you learn why they're in the situation they're in. Uh, the button at the end, of course, was Stephanie points to the big thing of diapers that are literally right next to her. And she's like, why didn't you use these Which diapers they all right should here? have seen. Yeah, it was, they were in plain view. But that's part of it. They're like in a panic. So they're not thinking clearly. I do like the very of its time joke, too, that when Joey doesn't know what to do with the used diaper, he puts it into a uh, Tupperware and burps it. And he's like, good <laughs> thinking, Joey. Keep it fresh. It's <laughs> just like such an of the time <laughs> thing, great. but so yeah. fucking funny. And then in the next scene, we're cutting to like later on in the day and we see like the living room and it's an absolute mess. And Joey and Jesse are both exhausted from a day of watching children. And that's when Danny comes back home and, and sees the mess and asks why there's, you know, dirty baby clothes everywhere. And, you know, uh, you know, basically the answer is, you know, she just drools or dribbles or spits up every time they, you know, put something on her, which it's true with kids. Like, they, you know, you go through a few outfits in a day when they're that young. You may you might not yeah. throw the clothes all over the floor, but apparently that's how things go in this house. Probably just put it next to all of Joey's clothes. <laughs> yeah, and that's when uh, you get that line from Jesse. Uh, Joe, you brought it up earlier. The your baby's a pig, <laughs> which got like a, a really good audience pop. It's a great combination of having these people now be in. Ch- I mean, that's why the movie Three Men and a Little Baby did so well, and subsequently why Three Men and a Little Girl did not do so well. Three Th- this is baby such a great only premise. Did well, because people thought there was a ghost in it. And it wasn't. No, that's not why it did well. Like they I didn't know. go to I see just the wanted movie to bring just... up the ghost. All <laughs> oh, right. Okay. <laughs> Anything with the goot does well. Yeah. Like Police Academy yeah. One or Police Academy Two, starring Bobcat Goldthwait. <laughs> I'm not starring, but he's in. I would he's say the he's main starring villain. in he's two through four. That doesn't make you. The villain's never the star. Anyways, um... also I was at Walmart the other day. We we're just walking down the aisles, and I came to an end cap, and it was like. A hundred years of Warner Brothers, and it was like, do you want to buy all seven Police Academy movies and for like seven ninety nine? I like looked at Kelsey, and she's like, sadly put it in the cart. It was like, just keep yeah. moving. I'd only want the ones with Mahoney though. Once he leaves, I don't want those other ones. Like, Mission no, there are some good post Mahoney ones. City Under Siege is fantastic. I don't believe you. Okay, well we're gonna have a watch party. We'll do it for the Patreon. Watch <laughs> Police Academy Five: City Under Siege. <laughs> So yeah, so any anyways, the doorbell rings, and this is where uh, Jesse opens the door, and we meet Vanessa, who uh, this is the girl Joe you're referencing to have that white snake girl look. Yeah, what? she's got like '80s Sunset Strip sort of. I mean, we we get it in, like Saved by the Bell, Baywatch. It's like the most generic look of that era. But it like, was a very popular look of the era. That was like just, the rock yeah, and roll but girl. like I don't know. I feel like that look made them all look exactly the same to like i know that there's like a style and stuff and the styles like everybody does the style right but for some reason this style 
that everybody looks the same. It could have been any actress. They could have swapped her out in the middle of the episode. I wouldn't have noticed. It's crazy. Nick, I'm a thousand percent with you, and you know I agree with you so much, because when I looked up her IMDb to see what else she had done, I saw that she was in a lot of shows, including three episodes of the TV show Hunter, which is like a cop show from the 80s. I I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and she plays three different characters, right? So that's how interchangeable (laughs) that look was, that a show that only did five seasons, you can have a character actor come on three different times as three different characters and not be like, wait, wasn't that the girl from two yeah, episodes ago? Such a Are we cutter. to believe like she's like a singer or something though? Because I Jesse thought, thought... A stripper. Well, Jesse yeah, said I, I thought he was supposed to be just a hoe. No, because <laughs> Jesse thought he was, uh, she was supposed to be in the Philippines with Bob Hope, not to be a stripper. Like they don't send you on USO tours to fucking strip it with Bob Hope around. No, but I think no, they would send like escorts. dancers. I'm assuming she was a Vegas showgirl. Yeah, she's dancer. a showgirl. Okay. They say something about her putting her feathers back on. Yeah, so I'm assuming she does like the can can and like the background of like a you know like a Siegfried and Roy or Wayne Newton or something. You know, like a '80s like dance show. Right. And or she could be an escort. She's not. <laughs> or, again, or we she just explained, an escort. But I don't think Bob exactly why she wouldn't be an escort. Like they're not going to send you to the Philippines to be a hooker. Uh actually, that's exactly what rich people do. They pay for people. No, no, no. Rich people go, you go don't to bring the Philippines them with you. to get yeah. sex workers there. Yeah, you don't bring one. With, you don't bring your own. It's not like you pack your toiletries and your hooker. <laughs> you, you go with the locals. So Vanessa's asking Jesse, like, "Hey, is that offer?" to crash with you whenever open because I guess the airport was fogged in and they couldn't take off. And uh, he's like, yeah, absolutely. And pretty excited because he knows to quote last week with major dad, he might be getting some boom, boom. <laughs> the boom, boom room is going to be an odd place though. With all those pink bunnies. <laughs> Stephanie cuts in. Cause like uncle Jesse ready for more ballerina. And he's like, you know, trying to shoo her off because he's now preoccupied with someone else. You know, she's a little girl, so she's like, okay, it's later, and keeps on with him. He's like, well, hey, why don't you go upstairs and play ballerina with your big sister? And she's like, I can't. She moved out. And it's like, wait, what? She moved out? And now everyone's, like, going, like, crazy because they realize that DJ is nowhere to be found. You know, they're running around trying to figure it out, like, divide and conquer situation. And Danny's freaking out because they lost his daughter. And then I believe the line is, I, I left work. I, I came back and you lost 33.3 of my children. Yes, yes, yes yeah. 33% of my children. Also, like, I don't believe this. They go upstairs to DJ and Steph's room and it's completely cleared out. And right, they didn't yes. see any of that. I thought about that because I, I get how busy they are, but not busy enough to miss her moving yeah. all of her stuff through the house. Like. Yeah, every single thing she owns, not going to happen. But we do find out because during all this commotion and, like, you know, Danny's delegating where everyone needs to go, Stephanie's like, you know, and I'll go get DJ. And then Danny's like, uh, Stephanie, uh, sweetheart, do you know where DJ is? And it's like, uh-huh. It's like, why didn't you say something sooner? And much like with the diapers, nobody asked me. Uh, I don't know if they were going to try to make that like her catchphrase or anything, but they did go with that joke twice in the episode. I remember with Stephanie, they threw everything at the wall for her with the catchphrases yeah. throughout that show. Until one how click. How rude. Yeah. yeah, how rude took off. And that was, and that's a much better one. Oh, 100%. And yeah, to, to go back to what you guys were saying with that empty room, the amount of like labor hours that would take an adult <laughs> to clean that amount of room. I know, like, yeah. But that with all that stuff, I'll every down poster, two sets every of stairs, bit, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to go down two flights of stairs. Like we're talking hours and hours of work. And for a little girl to quietly do it, like while everyone's in the living room, 
it's it, completely like 10 year old. Right. But now we go to the garage and we see that DJ's on the phone with um, her friend, Kimmy. A who, working like, phone again, in the garage. Yeah, she set the phone up. Luckily, she knew where the phone jack was in the <laughs> yeah, area. There's a jack in the garage somehow? Yeah. <laughs> also, I don't know if you guys noticed this. So there's a bunch of stuff in there because it's her stuff or whatever. But there is a giant, like, six-foot-tall Santa Claus blow-mold yep. face that is fucking terrifying. That is just, like, front and center in this whole scene. Right? Right? Like, why would you put that up there? Well, it's the garage. It's for storage. Yeah, storage. It's Christmas time. Yeah, it's not supposed right, but it's, to be. They just place it so weirdly. Yeah. You got to show off that it's storage. <laughs> maybe, maybe it looked too nice, and they were like, "Wait, this this could have been an alternative. Like, they could have moved her out here. We got to make it look shittier." Put we have to put Santa. things in here to for people to understand why Joey has to live in the alcove. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, he can't live down there. Sorry, Santa's face lives down here, Joey. You live in the fucking hutch in the fucking living room. Go fuck yourself. You're going to fail at Star Surge because you're a terrible comedian and a terrible human. You drank fizzy lifting drink, you lose, sir. To the alcove you go. He's like Harry Potter, but at least Harry Potter had a door. I've never seen Harry Potter. I haven't either. Harry Potter had to live under the stairs in his adopted house. You've never seen Harry Potter? No. No. Wow. Of course they have it. It's popular, and they don't like popular <laughs> That's things. True, yeah. It's not Even that. I, I feel like Harry Potter. Potter. In fair, uh, no, in, it's not that. I've not seen to get plenty too of much of a pivot, things. but in, in fairness, when did the first Harry Potter movie come out? Like two thousand two. Right yeah. Right. Right. So we're like we're like sixteen. That. Like I don't. I feel like technically it did not appeal to me as a sixteen year old. Yeah, we yeah. were like over that age of like what was. But we were telling everyone to suck it and you know do all that and because Stone Cold said so. And then it was like, oh, I'm a wizard. Like, yes, I can't do this. I'm sorry. Exorbius <laughs> Padoofdis. Like, you know, like, I don't, like, that's not, we're already beyond that at that point. Exorbius Padoofdis. 37 and you collect toys still. So don't even act <laughs> like you're too cool for Harry Potter. And if you want to go to S1E1 Pod on our Instagram, I'll show you Ferg's Haunted Mansion collection. Yeah. I can show you it right behind me. <laughs> Although I will say, I always I think of the "you're a lizard, Harry," like maybe twice a week. I don't know why. Yeah, no, those toys are all of the things I liked when I was a child. When I was once I was into like my later teens, I wasn't collecting like new childish things that I'd be into. I don't collect toys. I yeah. do declare. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I know like all the anything like that I would collect now is from when I was at a younger age that I had sentimental value to. But like to be once I was at that age, I just wasn't, it was, like, I wasn't into that. Like, there's no, um, nothing hooked me to it. Well, the first yeah, like, I'm not going through Target being like, I need to get a Bluey toy or something. It's not something you're doing. So, yeah. Anyways, to go back to this, DJ's on the phone and, you know, her dad's trying to talk to her. And she's like, I can't right now. I'm on the phone with Kimmy. Hang on. And she's like, you know, Kimmy called me from her phone that she has in her own room, you know, and she has three sisters. Lies. Lies. She has one brother. Well, his name is Jimmy Gibbler. Again, actually, <laughs> in the show, up until Fuller House, his name was not Jimmy. He had a different name. As far as episode one goes, this is what we know to be truth. Because we are only covering this episode. So, for the sake of argument, she does have three sisters. And she still gets her own room. Danny's like, why would you want to live in the garage? It's all stuffy. And she's like, oh, you want some fresh air? And she just opens the garage door. Which I think I think that actually helps with the why can't Joey live there because you can see it's like a functioning garage. Yeah, right. Yeah, there's not four walls. Yeah, it's not. Why isn't there a car in there? Like Danny doesn't Danny drive to work and shit? I know a few people with garages. I don't know 
anybody who uses a garage for their car. A lot of people. Yeah, do. we don't use it for ours. If you lived on that giant hill like them, though, you think you would because you don't want to park on that hill. Yeah, you get serious e-brake going on there. Joe, am I? If I remember correctly, so Joe, grown up, your father had his own garage door business. That's correct. I have put up literally hundreds of garage doors in my life. And didn't you guys not have a garage door? It was a for years. Tarp. We did not. And we, <laughs> yeah. we put them in, and they were very nice at the end. But yeah, we did not. Which is funny because when I see things all the time, I think of it like I'm gun shy from the hundreds of garage doors I've put up from the thousands of Dunkin' Donuts cups I've peed in into a corner in somebody's <laughs> garage door that immediately when this door opened I was like oh it's a shin kicker because that's like the industry slang for that type of garage door that like opens out instead of up and over I like the idea of you leaving a Dunkin' Donuts cup of piss in there like like you're the wet bandits like that's your no no no, no 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 the move is you bring it outside with you and then you try to cough and then you like spill it out into the we've discussed this before yeah neighbors get on and you throw it in the back of the truck you're gross you're stuck. Okay, like not all garages have windows or doors to get out of. Sometimes you wall yourself in, like completely walled up. in, where there's no way out. And you gotta pee. You're gonna pee somewhere. So, um, anyways, Danny's trying to like you know try to I don't know, show a little bit more sternness towards her and say like, hey, come on, like enough's enough. Like you're gonna move up. He's like, oh no, thank you. So you hear her full name for the first time, Donna Joe. Donna Joe, and. You know, DJ gets back to the phone like, oh, so, Kimmy, sorry, where were we? And Jesse's like, oh, nice job, Dad. Uh, you've been reading Cosby's book? And then Joey's like, Cosby, I'll handle this. And then he does his Bill Cosby impersonation. You and know, Joe's we... head exploded. <laughs> yeah, my head exploded <laughs> immediately. <laughs> it's like, I... wait, when, when a hate atom explodes into multiple hate atoms, what do I do? Now, I'll say this. He does a lot of really good impressions that are spot on. He has his a Cosby's terrible Bill Cosby. It's a bad Cosby. Cosby. Terrible. And I think they were they were really throwing as many of these at you as possible, right? They were like, yeah. they were like, give us a list of every impersonation you do, and then ten that you think you could do, and we're gonna shove all of them in there in this first episode. I also always thought his Bullwinkle was bad. Yes, yes, I totally agree with that. Uh, in in memory, I remember it being good, but I'd have to revisit. Yeah. He also does Same. a lot of impressions where he does props and then just uses his own voice, which I feel like is cheating, too. Where he'd be like, I'm Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. Be like, Auntie M! Auntie M! <laughs> you're, like, you're not doing a fucking voice. It's just your voice, not an impression. That's prop That's comedy. It, it, and it works, is the lowest it works for form Carrot of Top. It can work for Joey Gladstone, all right? Actually, Carrot Top has his own show in Vegas and a mansion. I, wonder, I don't think well, Dave Well, on Coulier Fuller House, does. so does Joey. Well, Dave Coulier probably does, but Joey does not. I'll say this as we critique his Bill Cosby impression. There was a point where you can hear when DJ's on the phone with Kimmy, she goes, no, that's not really him. I'll call you back later. So I mean, it, it tricked Kimmy Gibbler. That's not Who we find out later on is one of the smartest human beings on the planet. So to trick her, it just makes me sad, though. Every time he comes up where I'm like, we can never cover the Cosby show. It'll be I too think there'll hard. be a point in time where we will. It just we have to be in full disclosure. I mean. It was we a huge did that show. Seventies show. We can do Cosby. We just gotta. You just have to kind of acknowledge it, and yeah, we'll, we'll cross that bridge one day, whether or not we do. But uh, to, to the shame of it, though, is it's a great show. Yeah, you separate the art from the artist. Yeah. That's all we do. Got to do. So as this scene continues, Stephanie comes down and informs her dad that the baby's crying upstairs, which kind of clears out everybody, and they head up, leaving just DJ and Uncle Jesse. And in this moment, Jesse's trying to figure out a way to get 
all this resolved because he needs to get back upstairs to Vanessa, who's upstairs waiting for him. And it becomes like a bribery situation, right? And, you know, what was the offer? It was uh, how much, like 20 bucks or something like that? It starts at five. She goes to, what, 70? And he goes, like, 70? And then, like... I thought 50 me- was the sticking point. It goes to 50, then 49. And then yeah, 20 goes, to 21. She goes down a dollar. And he ends up giving her 21, which inflation calculator now says is $56, which is a very hefty sum of money to make the girl go upstairs where he's a, well, I guess we find out later on that he's an uh, exterminator. But as far as we know, he's just a musician at this point. Yeah. This is pre-exterminator. During this scene, um, Jesse's throwing a little shade at Bruno here. He's like, hey, listen, I understand you want uh, your own room, but, you know, the world's not a perfect place. Look, Bruce Willis has a record deal. This is the year that Bruno came out, too. So it was topical at the time. Yeah, the return of Bruno. And he would have been huge from uh, Moonlighting. Yeah, I mean, he was he was a big celebrity at the time. And the year before this is when all those Seagram's commercials came out, he sang in. I don't know if you've ever seen those before. Which is like him, like, kind of scatting, being like, Seagram's, wine <laughs> coolers, wine coolers. They're amazing I, commercials. It sounds familiar. I'll have to go back. I don't want to talk about Bruce Willis right now. I hope he's doing well. I love Bruce Willis. He gave he's us not. so much stuff. Hey, hey, Captain fucking Bummer. Can you just <laughs> chill for a little bit? I hope he's doing well is acknowledgement yeah. that I know not. he's not, but I want yeah. him to be doing well. They, I, yeah, they, it was his birthday recently at the time of this recording. It wasn't that long ago. And, and um, his ex-wife, Demi Moore, posted a little video. And obviously, you know, due to circumstances, he's he, he looks like he's doing as well as he can be. He looked happy with family and stuff like that. So, you know, it is what it is. And, yeah, we hope uh, for the best for Bruno. We hope for a return of Bruno. Yeah, so finally we get to this agreement where through some haggling, we find out that, you know, she's going to take the $21, you know, to finally go upstairs. That's so, a lot uh, for a kid. <laughs> for a kid who doesn't have to spend money on anything. Yeah, it's, um, you know. And also with inflation, too. If you're like a 10-year-old, someone's like, here's $50, your head explodes. That is so much money. In, in like, what was this, 87 or yeah. whatever? Like, yeah, that's it's not a bad little chunk of change to give a kid right now. You can buy a whole lot of candy. So many Bengals records or so posters. I, oh, that's where she bought all the George Michael posters. Yeah. <laughs> so the, 20. <laughs> the deal gets made and now, you know, Jesse can run back up to um, get to Vanessa. But as he does run up, uh, we find out that um, it's too late and Vanessa's uh, she's gone because Danny thought that it might be a little inappropriate if she stayed in the same room as Jesse and asked her to sleep on the couch. I got to say, I, I think that's a, I know it's your house, but a little bit of an overstep right there. That, you know, Jesse's an adult and he's helping you out greatly by moving in. You can't. And that's why he should have taken the alcove because now if she did agree to sleep on the couch, they would have been fucking in front of Joey. He was just scanning the alcove. Well, oh, God. He'd been watching with just a cigarette burning in the corner. (laughs) But I think that. Look at that. Oh, God. (laughs) Cut it out. I imagine, though, but he should have said that to Jesse. He's taking Jesse's side and been like, hey, I don't feel comfortable with her sleeping here. It's your first night. The kids are here. There's a problem. She should sleep on the couch or you should sleep on the couch and she can sleep in your bed. But he shouldn't be saying that to some woman he doesn't know who's there. Right. He should have like the situation should have been handled to Jesse, not to Vanessa. So does this mean he can like never bang? Like, by, is this, like Danny's in, rule? In like, this moment, like, how does how do you get around it? Yeah, I think he, like, it's tough on night one. Like, it's night one, you haven't even settled in yet, 
DJ has moved to the basement or the garage and maybe we like take a step back. Maybe we all have dinner. It's just, you know, I just couldn't in that moment. I was mad on Jesse's behalf when he said that. It's like, well, come Jesse on, overstepped by inviting a guest on night one. It's I his agree house there now. too. I mean, also yeah. true. That's his house. Like he lives there. Like you're, you've uprooted your whole life to help your brother-in-law raise these kids. You shouldn't have these crazy restrictions where you can't have a guest anymore. My question is, since this is day one, right? How did she know where to find him? I think he probably told her where he was going. I wondered the same thing, actually. But wait a minute. She's in Reno. Well, she was stuck at the airport, she said. So, I mean, I don't in know. In San Francisco. So did yeah. she fly to... Oh, that makes sense. So she's going to the Philippines, right? So you probably fly from Reno probably to... Probably fly to LAX, yeah. Yeah, you probably fly... Yeah, you fly from LA or San Francisco straight shot. That's a lot, a lot of work for a booty call. Well, when you know you're just here on Bob Hope for the next five days, you want to get a good man like Jesse in you first. Oh, implying that Bob Hope will be next. You just want to start strong? (laughs) Uh, If if she so chooses, I'm giving her the agency here if she wants to. I'm just saying if she's bored on this trip and she's like, well, who can I hang out with here? And you got 1987 Bob Hope. You want to get some Jesse in first. So um, now that Jesse knows that Vanessa's gone, he tells DJ, okay, deal's off. I want my money back. And that's when Daniel's like, wait, what money? And, you know, finds out the terms of the deal. He's like, this is how you parent? And, uh, you know, I don't, well. To my surprise, she gives the money back, though. Yeah. I I was going to say that, too. She's very good about just being like, that's fair. This deal didn't work out. Um, That's not how you parent, but that's how you uncle. Yeah. He's new at this. I think that's fair. point. Yeah. Uncle is like a less responsible grandparent. Yeah. Like, you were there to be fun and to help with stuff and be around, but you're not there to, like, make rules and enforce them. Later on, sure, but night one, his relationship with his nieces up to this point is not one of authority. So he can't just be there for three hours and all of a sudden be an authority figure. Like, you have to ease into that a little. Yeah. Like, my level of authority as an uncle at Tops is usually like, hey, it's been a while. You have to start eating your dinner. Like, you know, it's about as far as we're going to get. Yeah, you don't overstep. You, you, that's not your place. Yeah, like, I'm not putting her in timeout. That's not for me to decide. Now, what if, though, instead of a niece, you had a baby Bob Hope and baby Bob Hope was acting up? What would you do in that situation? What? Where did that come from? I don't know. Did you just become Gordo? <laughs> okay, so if you're gonna be Bob Hope, what would your Bob Hope name be? Bob That's Hope. me being Gordo. Bob Hope. So DJ wants to go back to her new room in the garage now, and uh, Danny chases her into the kitchen, and they kind of have this. This is when they have the the real conversation, right? You know, DJ's just it's a lot for her, right? She and she's like, it's not fair. Like I I lost my mom, and now Grandma left, and now I even lost my own room. Like everything's disappearing. You you understand her side, you know, it's a lot. Like, a, her life's changing very drastically, and she's having a really hard time with it. And Danny's just doing his best to, you know, say, hey, listen, I know how you feel, and I understand how much you miss your mother, because, like, I miss her too. And, you know, you still got me. And his delivery there was, like, perfect. I wrote it down. I was like, this is, like, yeah, 
seriously good acting yeah. from Bob Saget here. Like, it's there's crazy. emotion and the swell of the music. Like, everything about it, you're like, oh, shit, I'm tearing up a little bit. Yeah, yeah I felt... was going to say, I was I was sitting there like, oh, my God, don't cry. Yeah, don't it's cry. Like, like, it was just that, the way he said that line, like, that, it hit him. Like, he, the emotion he showed there was huge, and it, it, it sold that whole scene. And it's because of stuff like that is why you get surprised when you hear his actual comedy. Yeah, we, he's such right. a wholesome dad on this yeah. show, and that's where most of the world was introduced to Bob Saget. Oh yeah, was Full House. You know, Stephanie chimes in and reminds her, you know, you got me too. And Danny continues on with like, and you have Michelle, and you have Uncle Jesse and Joey, and it's like we're a family, and like we have to stick together. And he's like, you know, you and I, we go back a long time. 10 years and 10 of the happiest years of his life. And then he's like, listen, so either you're moving back upstairs or the five of us are moving down there with you. And, uh, you know, DJ finally agrees to move in and you get that, you know, the nice group hug and sentimental moment. And, uh, that's the, I mean, that becomes like, you know, as time goes on, like kind of that staple full house scene, right? Like the, the resolve. It's an every episode. The end, yeah. The super sentimental, um, it's like either said, that or a little girl falling off a horse. That is the end of every Full House episode. I would uh, sure in that this happens ninety nine point nine percent of the time, and one yeah, time the other point nine is a little girl yeah. falling off a horse. Yeah, but it's um, the only time both Olsen twins are on screen. Oh no, never mind. There was a couple. There was another. Was couple. There was another one when it was like a foreign girl with, yeah. it was just, with the oh, other one in a wig. The Greek one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there's a Greek. A Greek Michelle. Yeah. And Michelle. So Giros. <laughs> We uh we we get back to the living room and Jesse's trying to get Michelle to say Uncle Jesse, and uh, a little young for that. DJ says good news, Uncle Jesse. Deal's back on. Uh, Jesse goes to take out some money and she says it's okay. I'll put it on your tab. Again, terrible bargaining on her. She was such a good haggler earlier on, but uh, now she's letting freebies buy. Also, and, I'm shocked when Uncle Jesse like was trying to get her to say Uncle Jesse. They didn't have Joey come and go. Uncle Jesse. Yeah, I was like, thinking yeah, the same the thing. Little baby voice again. You know, we find out that um, Michelle's making like noises, and Danny's like, "Oh, like nothing's wrong," because Jesse thought something was up. He's like, "No, you know, she's singing. Like Michelle loves music." And then Joey's like, "Music, I'll handle this," and just starts singing the Flintstones theme. The Flintstones, <laughs> like. Why the Flintstones? The, like, of all the things. Like, whatever. Why do you keep saying it weird? Why you yeah, why do you keep saying the Flintstones? Flintstones? What, what am I saying? Weird? You're saying the Flintstones. What is yeah, the, Flintstones? the Flintstones? Am I not emphasizing the T enough? It's, it's Flintstones. Flintstones. Flint. Flint. It's Flintstones. Flint. Like, like the rock. The rock. I've always yeah. said it all like, your whole life it was called the Flintstones? Flint. <laughs> I've said, like, Flint. F-L, almost like an E-N-T. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> I've never said it like Larry Flint. I've never like uh, said it in that way. Larry Flint. But I used the T. You guys are saying like I didn't use the T. The T's there. No, no you were using no, you like E instead of an I. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, I acknowledge that I do it like that. I just, I did always think it was pronounced that way. <laughs> I never thought of it like Flint. Like I think of Larry Flint, but not. It's a flint stone. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's a flint that stone that you make like spears out of. Like you know what, that. Gordo? I've made zero spears in my life. Zero. <laughs> so it's like you know, it hasn't come up very often. I haven't had to order any flint on Amazon lately. So well, who Listen, knows? You can be really good at it. Maybe it's yeah. a skill you don't even know you have. Listen, I've gone down the YouTube rabbit hole. Yeah, flint is used mainly for like lighters and stuff. Now, yes. 
I will say, though, this scene made me... I forgot that this was part of this episode, but only two months later, we have this very same sort of scene in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which means they were probably filmed around the exact same time, which I thought was kind of an interesting poll that two big touchstones in the same year, months apart, did a big Flintstone sing-along with the, like, Wilma! And to go back and... All right, I'll concede. We'll say it whatever weird way you guys all want to say it. So the Flintstones theme. Um, but why that's, it just seems so random. Like, it just, I, I don't understand why that's the song. Whatever, you needed something that the kids and the adults can kind of all sing along to, but. My assumption is, too, that this is ABC. They must have owned the rights for they it They had some well. rights to use the song. So, like, the- you sing a song you have, you know. I'll say this. It's a good thing I enjoyed the rest of this show because this really angry this was a little i don't know this is for a show that's notoriously known for being a little corny this was a little much for me yeah yeah this is a little over the top and i'll say in an episode that i thought was overall pretty funny i i hate when shows end on a note i don't love uh but that's it that 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 was it that was how that um that episode ended ended it with a big stinky fart big stinky fart it's not the best way to end it, for sure. I mean, there's other scenes. I mean, like, you could even just turned and been like, can I have that $21 back, Uncle Jesse? Whackity schmackity do. Right? You'd been like, that's a good way to end the episode. <laughs> what? It's a WB. <laughs> <laughs> like, isn't that a better ending than them singing the flint <laughs> Can we end our shows that way now? Whackity <laughs> do. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the uh, the wish version of the WB song. Well, it's probably yeah, not top copyrighted, hat. so we yeah. have to. So, so that was the whole episode, and like I, you know, we've been saying throughout the episode, there was an unaired pilot, and I think this was one of those things that no one was aware of until the DVDs came out, and I think they added yes. it to the DVD. It was on there as a the bonus unaired pilot. Yeah, and this was. I will a, say too, one of the greatest DVD packagings of all time. If you bought the full series, oh, it was a, it was a big house, right? It, it was, was the house. house, yeah, which was uh, impossible to store, but yeah. really cool looking. So, it's like when all the Simpsons would come out, where the cases would have like an embossed character's cover on them. Yeah, I had a roommate who like collected all of them. I was buying them, and then one season they like randomly did like Homer's head, and it didn't. They didn't fit anymore, and I was like, "Why'd you do that?" In like season eight, like you just ruined it for everybody. Yeah, they all just were awkward on the shelf. Yeah. Like, you didn't, like, line up like you'd want to spine something out. But, yeah, so for for this pilot, you know, we all kind of gave it a look over. It, so what they did was this is shot for shot the same exact episode we just covered, only a different person is playing Danny Tanner. So it was John really interesting. John Posey is his name. John Posey was the original Danny Tanner that filmed the pilot. And then after at some time, it, it, they retooled it and they put – Bob Saget in this place, like Fergin alluded to earlier, was kind of the guy, one of the guys that they had in mind for the spot originally. When he became available, they reshot that pilot with him in place. If you they, go back they and watch, they didn't it, tell him, by the way. Posey? So what? So what happened was they. The story is so sad. They discover this guy in like a comedy club. They they fly. They like like his jokes and stuff. They fly him out to L.A. Uh, they say they're gonna like be. He's gonna be on this sitcom. They're gonna strap rockets to his feet, like to the moon. All this stuff. He goes back home, agrees to do it. Shoots the pilot. Goes home again. Moves all of his stuff into his truck. He's driving to L.A. to live there to be on this new show. 
while he's driving there, they're filming the new pilot. Nobody tells him. He's about halfway <laughs> the there. same moment he gets he's driving beep. there. He gets beeped on his pager, has to drive off, find a uh, payphone, call his agent to find out he didn't get the job because the, uh, Bob Saget did. I think he was from Georgia and he made it to Mississippi. And you know that entire drive on his radio? He's just listening to like the, we're in the money, we're in the money. <laughs> his beeper goes off and it's like, sorry, bud. So No yakety schmackety. So I'll say him. this. Having watched it, and again, this is shot for shot the same episode. And a lot of scenes, I mean, they only really redid points where they had yeah. to change the coverage of who Danny was. So there's even within certain shots, it's, it's the it's original the footage. Mixed in with new stuff with Danny in it. And then scenes like the baby changing thing that he's not a part of anyways is the the exact same cut. Everything's the same. And it's very interesting. It's very findable. You guys can uh, – I don't know if the full thing's on YouTube, but it's very findable if you Google it. And, There's a great video that does a sort of back and forth on YouTube yeah. that, that Ferg had showed us. And uh, this is what I mentioned earlier. This actor, uh, Posey, he is very much doing a Robin Williams impression. And the easiest scene to tell is when they're like – He's like, this room should have a Barbie dream house. And Danny's just so good with it. He's like, huh, we have one. He's like so realistic about it. When uh, Posey says it, he's like, hmm, we have one. And then like gives a big <laughs> smile. Or it's like, nanu, nanu. It's like, okay, buddy, this is a bit much. And he's a good actor. He's done a ton of other stuff. He's Elaine's boyfriend. Seinfeld. who's the doctor in Seinfeld. Yeah. Who like messes with her tongue. Like he's done plenty of work. He, it just didn't work for him. As I watched it, it was one of those things where he would have made more sense to play Joey. Than he would have played yes. Danny. It's two Joeys when they're on yeah. the show. And that yeah. was yeah. the problem. His personality type, he didn't have that same wholesome feeling that you got. But in a lot of ways, he was a very generic TV dad. Like he worked in the role enough, but knowing what we ended up with, it's like it doesn't work. I think if we never saw Bob Saget perform, like you're like, this is good enough. Like it's whatever. You know, it'd be enjoyable. I don't know if the show would even. It would have been Come like a three-season sitcom. Yeah, like it would have lasted a little yeah. bit because I, I think they had enough there with everyone else. And again, he didn't do a bad job, but he just didn't get that character in the same way. And it, it, it's just – it's crazy to see how much of an impact one thing like that can make. And obviously, it's changing a lead actor, but when it you're talking – very um, – what's it called? Larry from Perfect Strangers vibes from him. Yes. Yeah. 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 Too, actually. yeah. But also, like, it kind of makes sense, too, if you're, like, they're Joey and this Danny are, like, best friends, and they're so similar. You can sort of kind of get why they'd be best friends, because they probably found each other. They have the humor. They grew up with they each other. They look similar, too. You know they what I mean? They look similar. Like, yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. It's really interesting <laughs> to watch that. And and I love that that came out. And to, to really side by side, it's you're just watching this bizarro version of the episode, and it, it's just... It takes you a minute because we're so used to it. So to see everyone else acting with him like this is normal and, you know, it's the same performances out of the other actors. You're like, wait, it's, it's, you almost feel like you're being pranked. No, it's not the same performance. If you kind of A and B them, like I, I didn't give it like a, a full watch through, but like I watched the beginning and I watched the end. All right. And I've watched like a little bit floating around in the middle here and there. The actors and the the old Danny don't have the same chemistry, so it does not. It almost feels like generic, like their acting is all generic. Like especially when um, 
that scene at the end where they cue the music and stuff like the girls are just like, yeah, you got me too. like go back and look and try and see the A and B of it. But they don't give as much of a performance. And I think that that is 100 percent attributed to Bob Saget. Maybe because it was the second time around. They had time to practice. That's true. I mean, that's also true too. more chops. I will say, though, we've seen it a few times, and it's first of all, it's great when this happens and you get to find it. Because we have, I think, done some shows where there were unaired pilots that we weren't able to find. Like, they were yeah. never released, right? But also, we've done some shows, too, like Roseanne comes to mind, where the unaired pilot, it's just DJ, who's a very minor role in the episode. So changing him out doesn't really affect anything. Like, watching both back-to-back, you're like, that's the same thing. Like, that didn't matter. Like, I get it later on, it changes, but in the pilot, nothing did. This changes so much of the vibe of the show. Uh, Munster's different wife in the uh, unaired pilot. Very very different character, too. She plays it very differently. She's more of, like, a Morticia type in that, uh, in the original. But yeah, no, that stuff's always, like, really interesting to me. And where this one was more than others, more shot for shot than other pilots that go unaired and change. Yeah, that's the weirdest part about it. Yeah. So it's really interesting to be able to watch that. And I, and I really wanted to be able to, we don't typically go down this road, but where it's so readily available and so similar, I think it was kind of cool to just give it a quick look over and, and talk real quick. But with that being said, I, I, I don't know if there's anything else you guys want to bring up about Full House until, you know, before we move forward with the Green Lighter Cancel. It's such a huge show. It's, it's very difficult to talk about this like we don't know more about it, but... I do like that some of the hallmarks of the show are brought up in the first episode. Like, it makes me so happy that they mentioned the Smash Club in the pilot, right? Because I, I a huge that part of the yeah. show. And then I was, I've always joked. I tried to do it for our wedding. I was like, we should get napkins that say the Smush Club for our wedding. It's like, three <laughs> people would... will get the joke, but the joke is so good. I got vetoed on that. But I always think about it. I'm like, how much would it cost to buy, like, a gross of napkins that says Smush Club? Oh, you can get those on, like, Etsy. Yeah, you can just They're not that expensive, yeah. yeah. It's also the episode where when he buys it and everything goes wrong with those napkins where he says, Gibbler, I never thought I'd say this, but grab the tush and push, which is also <laughs> a line I think of way more often than I should. That's the Ben Stein episode, too. Fuck, Full House is so good. I'm going to rewatch <laughs> all of Full House now. Shut up, Jesse. Little <laughs> Richard's greatest. Little Richard wrote so many great songs and did so many great performances, and literally the best thing he ever did was tell John Stamos to shut up on Full House. It is a fucking perfect moment of film. But uh, yeah, I mean, we'll do our best to uh, remove any future knowledge as we rate this show. But um, it's, it's time, for, time for the green lighter cancel. Uh, I'm gonna go in the order I see you guys in. Uh, Nick, starting with you. Yeah, as we discussed, it's it's pretty tough to separate what you already know about this show, but it's still a green light for me. Uh, it's not without its faults. Joey kind of annoyed me. He did make me laugh also, though. But it's just, I, we talked about it at the top of the show, it's their ability to be funny and serious and do it right and make you feel the serious. Usually when you see serious, it's like, oh, okay, you know. But for this, you like you get hit in the feels with it, and I like that they were capable of doing that, even this early in the show. Great kid actors, which we've discussed, um, is tough to do, uh, but they did a good job. And, you know, just the adult ensemble is entertaining. You want to see what's happening with this chaos that they've built um, with three kids and two people who don't know how to raise kids and a single dad. It's just there's so much that is intriguing about it and you want to come back for more. So, yeah, easy green light. Joe. Yeah, I mean, echoing pretty much everything Nick said. To add to that, to make a show 
that you can generationally work with. Like, we grew up with this show, right? Like you said, when we first started watching it, probably in syndication, we were like four or five years old. And we're now watching it as people who are older than any of the characters are in this show. Even the adults. It, <laughs> even the adults. But it still tracks because the adult aspect of it works, right? Yeah. Like, I often, I never brought up Roseanne a few minutes ago, but I always think of that Roseanne's one of those weird shows that is funny as a kid and then funny as an adult for two wildly different reasons because your perspective completely changes. Mm. Um, I think this is kind of that show, too. Like, you don't get bogged down in the kids' storylines because there's adult storylines going on, too. So you never feel like you're in a show that's only for one age group. And this, I think, was a really, really good pilot. It had some problems. The ending should have been different. But uh, divorcing what I know from it still, I would watch another episode of this in a heartbeat. So it's a, it's a huge green light. Full House is the best. And I wish I could play guitar in Jesse and the Rippers. Ferg. Some of the shit we've done lately, I probably would have greenlit anything. But luckily, um, Full House is amazing. So it would have got a green light no matter what. Yeah, it's got all my Ferg checklists. Amazing theme song. Iconic. You know how much I love a good theme song. Pink bunnies. Um, <laughs> it's got pink bunnies in it. I love pink bunnies. Yeah. Great chemistry amongst the cast. And like I said, original Danny didn't have that chemistry. So they made the right decision. As much as I feel bad for this guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, it's just one of those shows. That, I mean, it, it almost did everything right. <laughs> like We said how it like it had the cross the room like sitcom trope. Other than that, like it started most of the major tropes that sitcoms today have. <laughs> like, like alcoves. Like alcoves. You know, green light for me. It's near perfect. Gordo. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to rock the boat on this one. Uh, and there's really nothing else that I can add that people haven't already, that you guys all haven't already said. It, it's almost perfect top to bottom. Writing, acting, the physical comedy, like everything. It's just like off to the races. Like episode one, yeah, there's a little bit of things that, that were a little, little janky. You know, people needed to find their footing and whatnot but this is about as close to that as you can get like right up there uh so green light for me yeah listen um obviously it's a green light for me as well and this show has so much like heart in it and i think that's what really separates it from a lot of the other like modern sitcoms that they just feel a little more generic and this feels like there's a real family vibe there and the way everyone's interacting with everybody it just really works. You look at a show like this and you could easily have this basic premise and put other people in it. And it could be very like hacky and overdone and slapsticky. Like, oh, we're just three guys trying to raise this kid. And, you know, we mentioned three men and a baby earlier and like things like that where it's like a little more goofy. Here they did it the right way. And even though like a character like Joey is very goofy and things like that, they still find that right balance amongst the whole cast, and it just works. And, you know, I not much else to say about it. So, congratulations to Full House. Perfect five out of five from us. Uh, you not live surprising. On, yeah, not a big surprise here. But, yeah, in any event, guys, thank you for listening. Go to s1e1pod.com. That's where you can find all our links. Like I said earlier at the top of the episode, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff interact hit us up we really love hearing from you guys hearing your stories how you found us shows you want to hear us do 
Uh, we're very receptive to that. Um, it helps us to know what you guys want to hear. So keep it up. But yeah, that's all the time we have for this week. Thank you so much for listening. We'll hit you again next week with another new episode. Thank you. Goodbye. I think we got the best wackity schmackity do. <laughs> <laughs>